0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.
1: There's a funny line, probably from a movie that says something like, I'm a gambling man by nature. And yet I can tell you, I am not a gambling man by nature. Let me give you a really good example. Johnson & Johnson. You probably know the company, right? Famous. Iconic. Baby shampoo. Baby powder. Toothpaste. Much, much more than just that. They've been embroiled in a lawsuit. And it's tough to buy the company when that's the case. Because I'm not a gambling man by nature. There's another company, Bayer, which bought Monsanto. And Monsanto, the judge just ruled... Another $20 million in a settlement for someone who probably got cancer from Monsanto's Roundup. Johnson Johnson reported higher second quarter earnings than expected, but raised sales forecast for sales growth as well. That combination should be enough to get the stock to move, but nope. There's a lawsuit pending, and there is a lot of them out there. Whether talcum powder, and I don't know exactly how talcum powder or it makes its way into put the powder form, but it's something like a big ball of chalk, And then you get a big piece of metal that pounds it and pounds it and pounds it and pulverizes and pounds it and pounds it and pulverizes and pounds it. And that's where the asbestos may or may not have come in that pounding process because talc itself shouldn't be cancerous. But maybe some of the pounding causes some of the metal to mix in with the powder something like that. I don't know. I, I'm not telling you not to use baby powder. I'm not telling you to use baby powder. I don't know when it comes to lawsuits. I don't know, and that's why I can't invest. I can tell you, Roundup probably—you know—if it can kill a weed, it could probably kill a human, right? Does that just kind of make some sort of sense? Yes, we're going to stop the oxygen flow, or I guess plants don't consume oxygen. I think they create it as a byproduct of being green, right? Well, okay. Let's just forget about that. The fact that Roundup could stop the plant from getting into its life source probably could stop you too, is my thought. But hey, I'm not an expert, so I can't buy either of those stocks. Uh super producer extraordinaire, Zach, asked me today, would you have bought Chipotle knowing now what you knew then? And I, I said, no, I've actually never owned the company. Because I don't actually eat there. I don't actually have a feel for it. Yes, I, I make a, a story that I say I, they give me more rice than someone else. Yes, I've actually known the business model. I've been there once. But I'm not a loyal Chipotle kind of guy. I wish I was, but I'm not. So that's a stock that had some food safety issues that clearly looked like it was a buying opportunity. But you know what? They're going to have food safety issues again in the future. Any time you get food from a local source it, and and it's delivered fresh and fast, it's, it's not tested as well as something that is more coming across the border and looked at numerous times by scientists. With that said, can our food safety get better? Yeah. There's an electric car race in Brooklyn over the weekend that highlighted the future of live entertainment and fan engagement. Pretty interesting if you start thinking about where we're going. I watched Major League Baseball yesterday. I watched a couple games. I'm on the board side in the late afternoon, and uh, I was stunned. At, this is the fourth season in a row there's a decline in baseball sales, ticket sales. And you watch the highlights, no one's in the, in the stands. It's not just like the Dodgers and the douchiness of their fans who show up, you know, halfway through the fifth inning because they don't want to be on time. It's, it's across the league. So listen to this. This song won't work with eSports. we got to come up with something digital. We need something by Marshmello. We need something by Avicii. So over the weekend in Brooklyn, high-speed data and ubiquitous connectivity are changing everything, including sports. The event was the Anheuser Busch Formula E race run through the streets of Brooklyn. In its fifth season, Formula E is an electric open-wheel racing series with thirteen races and eleven teams with two cars each. Speeds can hit 170 miles an hour, and electric cars produce sounds more akin to Star Wars battles than the traditional car race. If you've ever gotten to go to like Sonoma Raceway and heard NASCAR or IndyCars race, It's an awesome sound. I'm not much of a man, but hair grew on my body by going to one of those events. Like, I was was masculine all of a sudden. My chest hair became thicker and darker and more coarse. But this Formula E, it's a race offered spectators and investors, essentially a look into the future. 170 miles top speed, limited by the power output rules. Cars could go faster by sending more juice to the motors. But like other racing series... Standards are stepped by the stewards. Stewards, John Luke Picard. I'm the steward of the enterprise. In Formula E, and I can't make this stuff up, fans can vote for their favorite driver, thanks to connectivity. They can be translated into a power boost for that driver. So as you're watching, you could say, I want number four to go faster, and he gets to open up his throttle on electric vehicles. It's kind of like Mario Kart meets the real world. Drivers who choose to pass through a power boost lane get an extra 10% power boost for a minute or two. This is so awesome. It's turning Nintendo games into real life events. If you get a chance to watch the movie on Netflix called Ready Player One, it might be on HBO. It might be on Showtime, but it wasn't a bad movie. So there's interactivity. It's enabling higher speed data connections for everyone. 5G will make it even better. Um, Brought to you by AT&T and Verizon. Sprint, T-Mobile. It highlights the benefits of live entertainment to content operators. Like, for instance, let's say your favorite baseball team's losing. If you were to vote, they get a runner to start the the inning at second base. It might be more interesting. If someone has a massive hit on a, a quarterback, and you're like, well, the quarterback gets five downs this, this, this. You might vote for that. You can't DVR the event because of fan voting. So it has to be a live event. you see what I'm saying? Fan engagement's another example of power social media has to keep up with to keep us engaged. I love the idea of a race car going through a power boost zone. Because typically in those racing games, to go through a a boost zone, you got to get your car jumping in the air or something. This will do nothing but help companies like Electronic Arts, Take-Two Interactive, Activision, Blizzard. Let's say you're watching a basketball game. If everyone starts to vote for Steph Curry, has to take a shot from half court, but it's a four-point shot, or you get an extra 30 seconds on a power play because... Uh, you've done such a good job on, on your power play that the fans reward you and say a little bit more time. It's kind of an awesome way of making it, it interactive, and it is the future. I'm Rob Black talking all things future. Be careful of the man in black today. No, I'm not a future guy, but you get the idea. Power boosting in electronic sports, cool. I like it. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. You can buy Domino's Pizza as a stock. Is it a play on the nationalization, the rule out of legalized marijuana? Is it a play on cheap food, kind of an alternative investment to McDonald's? Kind of is. Is it a play on the millennials and not having a ton of money trying to stretch their dollars, but also eating pizza while they play video games? Maybe a little. The company fell 7% in the pre-market today. But recovered some of the losses when things open up. So there's some bad news there. So people are selling on the news. It's the number one worldwide pizza chain. Large pepperoni pizza cost about a buck fifty to make, and they sell them for ten bucks, eleven bucks, twelve bucks. Domino's has been carrying out a strategy called fortressing. Stores are adding to the existing markets to be closer to customers, making deliveries faster and theoretically increasing driver tips. So but the expansion strategy is coming into question of is it overpopulating it's interesting you got papa john's and pizza hut but also you have something like uber eats doordash grubhub also willing to bring you other people's food so the convenience of the pizza chain not so much what it used to be i'm rob black talking all things financial i see a little man a financial planner hiding in the in the corners of kdow is it could it be cfp chad burton no Certified Financial Planner, Chad Burton. Let's welcome in CFP Chad Burton. CFP Chad Burton with New Focus Financial. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. Chad, one of the big issues in retirement is knowing your sources of income. We all know Social Security is going to be there, but what other sources of income might we have?
2: Well, it's going to come from, you're going to have a balanced portfolio, hopefully, so you have stocks and bonds and that in terms of funds and ETFs. Bonds pay interest. Stocks pay dividends. If you're going to be buying individual stocks in retirement, I'm a fan of stocks that have a history of increasing their dividend because when the market's bad, if you have three out of ten years that are negative and your stock portfolio is down, you can still have income that's up. Right. So that's very important. But you still want going into retirement, you want you know 20 to 40 percent of your income, uh-huh. especially if you think you're going to live a long time and you have longevity in your family. Sure. You want you know 20 to 40 percent minimum in guaranteed lifetime income. And like, like replacing what pensions used to be there for, for your parents. They used to have pensions, right? We don't, we don't, but you can do your own personal
1: pensions. And even if you have a, so you basically are turning your portfolio that you've created from age 20 to 60 into a pension. Yeah. You kind of start thinking, I have to annuitize this. It has to last till the day I die.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I use a strategy where I have three years' worth of expenses, a balanced portfolio, a stock portfolio, but I also use, um, in off, in many cases, right now, bonds are a very tough thing to invest in because their prices are at an all-time high, yields are at an all-time low. I'm not seeing inflation, so I'm not scared of bonds right now, okay. but eventually we'll have to switch. So if you're trying to say, what's a bond alternative where I can still get 5% or more over my lifetime out of my bond portfolio? There are certain no-load insurance products that can give you that type of, a, of, of an income, where you can invest in a balanced portfolio, and the insurance company will guarantee you know 5 to 7% income for the rest of your life. These products used to be awful, because they used to be in annuities that had back-end surrender charges, you know, 3.5% fees inside of them. Now there's no-load versions of it. Right. And there's also standalone insurance products now that will insure a portfolio for lifetime income, which is okay on a bond alternative. And And so you can you have an overall strategy, and then you might have some bond alternatives in your portfolio that have guaranteed lifetime, so that with your social security and some of those alternative uh, income investments, you have a portion that if you live till hundred and the market doesn't do well, you still have income. And that's important.
1: As a certified financial planner, how often do people come into your office without enough retirement thinking they had enough retirement?
2: I would say probably fifty percent of the time. And the reason why is because they're not thinking about health insurance costs, they're not thinking about long term care. They're not realizing that, you know, inflation. Yeah. I mean, every about eighteen years you're you you know, dollars cut in half with inflation. And
1: is that the you know how there's the seven the rule of seventy two? Yeah. Money doubles every seven years, something right. like
2: that. So you divide seventy two by the expected rate of return. Yeah. And that's how long it takes to double. It's the same thing. If inflation so is inflation. running up at three percent, then okay. it's going to take eighteen to twenty years for the for the opposite of that to happen for the dollar to cut in half, so you you have to increase um, you know you have to have a very detailed income ch- statement that shows your long term projection with average expenses growing at least three percent but your health care costs growing at five to six
1: percent a year. Anything that we need to know on a final thought? Well, again,
2: when you're when you're looking at some of the products that are out there, be aware of who's showing you the products. If they're insurance people that get paid a commission, or if they're working at a big firm or a bank that get paid a commission, the product might sound good, but you can get no-load versions of that product with much, much lower fees. So make sure you're working with a fiduciary that has your best interest in mind rather than somebody that's working on a commission that has to get paid by selling you something.
1: I've been talking with CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Any question is a good question, especially when it comes to money. My goal is to get you to retirement. My goal is not to say, ah, do everything for you. to try to teach you how to fish a little bit. I had a listener refer to me the other day, and he goes, hey, what was that annuity that Chad talked about? I'm like, i don't know i don't listen to Chad all the time i listen to me um, i like Chad. he's a, a brilliant cfp but the listener was kind of wrongly assuming that i should dig up research for him and i'm like that's not the point of the show <laughs> so sorry um, but some people feel entitled so throw that out there right 800-516-1220 to get your calls on there anything you want to talk about we can talk about money invested in more nancy pelosi's husband bought up salesforce stock options nancy pelosi's an interesting bird to me she's a senior member and she's been kind of slapping around the junior members of congress and saying you know don't blow this don't play right in his hands that's as far as the best i could tell that's as politically savvy as i get um I'm not a big fan of politicians in general. I see them way too often exploit the system, taking like 15 members of their family to Italy to study their heritage. I don't like that. I, I think study your own heritage on your own dime, so to speak. But Paul Pelosi, Nancy's husband, a businessman and investor, he paid somewhere between $150,000, $350,000 in June for a total of 100 Salesforce call options. It's kind of interesting because you have Congress sitting there going, you know, Google's bad, okay, and... Facebook's bad, okay. So him buying options, which are very short-term contracts, kind of brings up this perceived, does he know that Congress is going after or is not going to go after Salesforce? Or is he just acting on his own? I, in the end, I'm not trying to you know spook up a fight that doesn't exist. I'm just saying I think there's some interesting things that go on and some of it's we take for granted and some of them we shouldn't. Harley davidsons launched an electric motorcycle with a hundred and forty six mile range that goes from zero to sixty miles an hour in about three seconds. Bike sounds nothing like a, a traditional hog. But you know, it still had a lot of fun throttling, you know, through the gears and getting up to speed. It's it's an interesting play. Will that save Harley Davidson an electric bike that doesn't roar? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves, weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW, and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or kdow.biz. We're having an interesting year, to say the least. We're seeing Democrats call the President of the United States a racist. We're seeing people kind of get jaded with the whole political system. Two extreme left Democrats are in the top three in the polls going to the presidential race next year. You've got the big tech companies all in the crosshairs of both the Democrats and Republicans. So the, the Facebooks, the Googles in particular seem to be getting a lot of scrutiny. And yet stocks are at an all-time high or close to an all-time high. Let's talk with the one, the only briefing.com about what we're seeing. Mr. O'Hare, how are you, sir?
3: Hey, Rob, I'm doing okay. It's good to be back with you.
1: One of the things that made me scratch my head this morning was I heard Amazon's up 34% this year. And I go even with all the backdrop that we have, even though it's had like it feels like it's hitting a 20-year a high every year for the last 20 years. Um are we having another special kind of year or it dawned on me maybe it's just the big boys who are drawing all the interest and we're seeing the JP Gettys and the JP Morgans and the we're seeing the formulation of of the you know future monopolies that'll be broken up in 10, 15, 20 years. And uh, we're just seeing it as it's happening in real time. Is it the big boys getting bigger, or is it a diversified market?
3: No, it's a it's a fairly diversified market. Uh, but obviously, okay. when you see you know the mega cap issues like the Amazons and the Microsofts and uh, you know the Facebooks and the like, um, do very well and even outperform the market it's going to make you know it doesn't make a, a huge difference literally and, and figuratively but you know you can go uh you know up and down the leaderboard though and i mean you've got double digit uh percentage gains uh for every sector with the exception of the healthcare sector right now and these aren't you know Small. I mean, you're talking 16, 18, percent, 20 percent gains for sectors that don't include uh, Amazon.com or um, you know or uh, or Google. Uh, so it, it, it's fairly uh, it's fairly diverse, and it's kind of been uh, you know a market where all boats have risen with the tide, and certainly the tide of sentiment as it surrounds what the the Federal Reserve is doing with its uh, monetary policy outlook.
1: So. I've heard because the retail sales that came out today, Mr. O'Hare, were strong, or I'm not going to say strong, were solid. Mm-hmm. And that could be enough to put the Fed, they'll cut interest rates in July because they've kind of promised it to us, but maybe they stop and hesitate going forward that the economic data is just too good to be in an interest rate push to zero kind of market. Uh, is that what you're seeing as well?
3: Yeah, well, you know, there's certainly in that retail sales report, it was a very solid report. Um, you had broad-based gains there as well, only a few pockets of weakness like in the department store group, which everybody knows has been uh, been weak for some time. Uh, and also in the electronics and appliance uh retailer area. But that was a decline, I believe, off of a a prior month in which there was a gain. But you know, overall, when you look at core retail sales, which kind of excludes some of these special categories like gas and motor vehicles and gasoline um, uh, building material sales, as well as food and service drinking places, that was up 0.7%, which is a really strong indication. And that's a a component that's going to factor into the goods component of the personal consumption expenditures reading that factors into the second quarter GDP report. So, uh, so the key takeaway there is that the consumer uh, has, you know, remained fairly strong here, and uh, and that's a good portent for, for future spending. So, um, you know, but uh, to get directly to the question, you know, I think a report like the retail sales report that we saw today does uh, diminish the prospect, certainly, of a 50 basis point rate cut in July, and and may even actually uh, force the market to start uh, uh Recalibrating for fewer rate hikes uh, over the course of the remainder of the year. Certainly, if, you know, if you get data that remains as strong as that, um, you know, you're going to see the uh, the rate cut expectations start to get priced out uh, uh, over the course of the remainder of this year.
1: I'm personally a little bit stunned because I was going to do a refi on a house at about 18 months ago, and then I it, it my opportunity passed. There was a lot of fear and panic in the market it pushed the 10-year treasury down I think 1.96 now we're back at the 2.1 and it seemed to happen fast um, is that typical that you know we were over worried and now we're kind of like not overly optimistic but we've swung back to rational or something like that it seemed like it was a pretty pretty aggressive move
3: yeah well it sure was now you know the the, the uh, bump in rates we've seen here in the treasury market have also, has also coincided with what, uh, what's been going on in the European sovereign debt as well. You know, so in particular, you've seen the German, you know, boon really back up, uh, as well. And this interest rate differential trade has been a, 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 cont- Principal component uh, of why the uh, yields in the Treasury market have come down so sharply, but um, but at the same time there was certainly that uh, concern about economic slowdown, uh, uh, falling uh, into the in uh, excuse me driving you know market rates you know considerably lower and and when you get uh, you know reports like the retail sales report and even last week's CPI and PPI reports that kind of Took away a little bit of the disinflationary concern. Um, you know, you should see kind of an upward adjustment in rates from, from what was clearly, you know, a, a, an overbought market. And, uh, the question now is though, is do you continue to keep getting this strong data? Because if you do, you will continue to see a fairly quick, I think, uh, you know, correction in the treasury market that will push up rates. And, uh, and then the stock market has something to consider there, uh, uh for itself because, uh, you know, these low rates have been the foundation upon which this multiple expansion has been based. Uh It's also been the foundation upon which, you know, the market is expecting there to be a, a bridge to a, a, you know, better second half of the year where both earnings and economic growth accelerates on the back of those low interest rates. So, um guess you know i could say that it's a bridge we'll have to cross when we get to it but you know interest rates are certainly a, a key consideration here as it relates to the continuation of the bull market and uh, and what goes on in the treasury market
1: do you have a concern that the financial stocks and by the way i'm speaking with patrick o'hare from briefing.com one of the smartest guys i know on the markets and he could talk to you in a way that doesn't freak you out and a great website that can talk to you in a way that doesn't freak you out briefing.com do you have any thoughts on why the financials, the banks, um, they're just not, they don't seem to be as sexy as they should be with the low interest rate environment, with a healthy economy, with a strong jobs market? I'm not, they're market performers, maybe at best in my book, unless I'm reading it wrong. They're not. Leading per se, and I kind of want to see them lead because that would make more sense to me
3: right and you know if, if the Fed is ultimately successful in getting the yield curve to steepen, I think you will start to see you know the financials uh, uh, flex some muscle, um, but they 've been sort of in the um Penalty box, uh, given the concerns about net interest margin compression, that's been the you know, the offshoot of a flattening yield curve and certainly an inverted yield curve over certain portions of the curve. And so, uh, you know, so, and there's been just kind of like this, uh, you know, perception discount really that you know that's uh, uh, you know that these financial stocks have. Really underperform the market, you know, for such an extensive period of time um, that there's not a lot of interest in in owning them. But, you know, there's there's some. Uh, I think they're starting to you know to come into form here in a way that, uh, to, you know that. There is some value in that space, um, and they certainly have some, you know, improving capital return programs that are, you know, affording investors with a longer term mindset, you know, decent dividend yields, uh, and uh, and they continue to, you know, put up some pretty good earnings overall in the grand scheme of things. But uh, but they just kind of have a, uh, you know, a, a perception discount right now, uh, and they can't get out of the way of what has been. Um, you know, a flattening yield curve. So if we can see that steepen and, and be sustained, uh, you could see a real um, you know, rotation, uh, you know, value-based rotation into that sector, and they could start to exhibit some outperformance.
1: Sounds good. Is there anything else that you're working on? We've got about two minutes. I've hogged all the questions so far. Anything you want to shine some light on, per se, Mister O'Hare? R-
3: right. Well, there's we're going to be shining a lot of light on on earnings uh, results here in the in the coming weeks. Um, you know, the big picture column I posted last Friday was a, uh, a preview of the second quarter reporting period, and and uh, you know the 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 gist of that that column was essentially that you know you not likely to get great earnings results overall in the second quarter. You know, you're going to get better than expected results. It happens every quarter. You know, a fact said estimates project a 3% decline year-over-year in operating earnings for the S P p 500, it's probably going to be, end up being closer to flat or even slightly positive by the time this is all said and done. But, uh, but really, this guidance is going to be really key because there is so much resting in the market's perspective uh, on the second-half outlook and both economic and earnings growth accelerating in that period. So we'll be paying close attention to
1: that. Thanks very much. It's Mr. Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. An unbiased, awesome source of information for both domestic and international markets. There's so much content at the website that I draw upon for research as far as insights and much, much more. You too can use it at briefing.com. That's briefing.com. And Mr. O'Hare joins us every Tuesday. And he always does a really bang up, kind of awesome job. Super, super glad he's with us still. 800 516 1220. In fact, I'll even go a step further and tell you, I stopped using other guests because I found that they didn't bring their A game. And a lot of times they were all about self promotion. And I didn't want to give you bad content. I've said no to probably 98% of the pitches that I get to come on the air um, to the point that I stopped taking pitches. So, because it's a waste of my time and it's a waste of their time. Anyhow, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Facebook's got to go to um, Capital today to testify about the Calibra. And uh, whether or not it's going to be used for bad deeds or whether or not it's going to be used for good deeds. So more on that as the day unfolds, I'm sure. It's a big initiative for Facebook. It could be a new multi-billion dollar business easily overnight. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Boeing's 737 MAX grounding is starting to hit a little bit wider now. Southwest has put off some pilot hiring as the Boeing 737 MAX stays grounded. The pilots have been grounded since mid-March after two fatal crashes that caused Boeing to, I guess you could say, jump on their sword, but also to say that uh, rethink how their software works. And what could have been a quick fix, isn't it? So it's looking like 2020 before the plane gets back in the air. Maybe not, but that's what the airplane companies are starting to figure. The airline says it made the decision because it is unclear when the planes will fly again. So they're basically uh, grounding them and delaying hiring. And a lot of pilots are considering suing Boeing because of this. They go out and get training. They go out and get, you know, jobs. And they're told, well, you can't work because planes aren't safe enough. Jamie Down... Speak English, Rob. Jamie Dimon is downplaying Facebook's crypto experiment. And he says, even though one of the security chiefs from Facebook's in Congress today testifying about it, Jamie Dimon says, we're going to be talking about Libra three years from now. I wouldn't spend too much time on it. Any new efforts will have to conform to the industry's rigorous anti-money laundering roles, Diamond says. The banks have to use guidelines to stop money laundering and terrorists from using the system. Same with cryptocurrencies. When asked specifically about Facebook's Libra cryptocurrency project, which has been lambasted by President Trump and his administration, the J.P. Morgan Chase CEO, replied he didn't see it as a near-term threat. To put it in perspective, we've been talking about blockchain for seven years and very little has happened. We're going to be talking about Libra three years from now. I wouldn't spend too much time on it. Diamond is making his own bet on digital coin that could transform the global payments landscape called JPM coin. His effort in February uh, caught some attention, but not a lot. And he wants to keep the cryptocurrencies within the regulated confines of the world's U.S. The world's the U.S.'s biggest bank. So Jamie Diamond throwing in his two cents. Um, it is interesting to see how Facebook is trying to position themselves. Nestle to sell chocolate made without added sugar. Oh, boy, that sounds delicious. For chocolate lovers around the world. Hello, chocolate, I love you. Mm-hmm. Remember Pepe Le Pew and how he kissed the cat that got a skunk stripe painted on it by accident? I don't think he can make cartoons like that anymore. A new invention in the world of chocolate by Nestle cuts out added sugar so that customers can enjoy its 70% dark chocolate with less guilt. Nestle, N-E-S-T-L-E. Nestle makes the very best chocolate. Uh, and Nestle's a Swiss multinational company. It's got a caca fruit chocolate. It's going to be made wholly from caca fruit with white caca pulp as a natural sweetener. The caca, the, the caca which was once partially used and disregarded, discarded, not used. It's now being used to create a more sustainable health-conscious option for consumers. Look for the new chocolate if you're in Japan this fall, if you're in the United States, 2020. It's interesting, right? I think we could probably make a case that sugar is the devil. Now, you got to be very careful because legally you can't say sugar is the devil because sugar's going to sue you. You can say sugar is like the devil. But you can't say sugar is the devil because you can't prove it. Interesting how that works, right? Yes. Homebuilder sentiment ticks up slightly as housing shortage intensifies. Tesla's in the news for horrible working conditions. But the homebuilder sentiment ticked up. Sentiment's well below the July 2018 reading. Anything above 50 is considered positive. And uh, lower mortgage rates should be helping with affordability, but apparently not enough. The average rate on the 30-year fixed mortgage fell sharply at the end of May. Con- Continued lower in June. It's ticked a little higher in July. But builders are saying there's strong demand for single family homes. I get it. Back to Tesla. This is a company that to me I can't invest in. And I'm okay with that. I'd rather leave stuff on the table than try too hard. Tesla reported a record 72,531 Model 3 electric stands in the second quarter of 2019. A lot of these stands were built in a tent outside of the Tesla factory because they don't have space. It's not fully automated and to hit their goals, you know, there's fewer tests done on their vehicles. There's water leaks. There was electric tape used on plastic housings to make quick fixes. So your car may be taped together. <laughs> oh, no. The air quality was awful. The harsh weather was tough. We had a lot of rain in the quarter. So employees are not happy. and They're going to the media with their stories and that's If you're Elon Musk, you got to be going through the roof. You want to make a beautiful car. You want to make a different car. You want to make a car that changes the world. But in the end, you still have to manufacture it. Which I've been saying for years, whether you like it or not, and I'm not going to say I'm right because that's just not my style. But uh, like it or not, Tesla's a manufacturing company. They don't have robots making everything yet. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. So there's a new home being built next to you, right? Home builders are building. What's the credit score that you need to get to get that home? You need a score of at least 650 and 75% of people who get mortgages on a new home have 700 or better scores. The median score is 759 and only 10% of mortgage borrowers had credit scores under 647. I highly recommend you check out your credit score. There's a good app called Credit Karma or you can go and get your annual credit report from annualcreditreport.com. I'm Rob Black. New Focus Financial has got a new website with new downloadables. You can check it out at newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn.